Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. <laughs> They're talking guns, you know, just. Okay, um, Ephesians chapter 4 and page 142 in your notes. So uh, page 142 and then Ephesians chapter 4. Last week we talked about uh, didn't I, I think we did? Did we um, not finish the the top half of page 142? Okay, so we we talked about grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit, right? So tonight I want to expound on that a little bit. Uh, I think I told you we were going to, didn't I? Yeah. You did. I, I listened. I'm watching. Okay. Okay. So I want to I want to talk about this 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 evening uh, because quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit is something that we do often and and really sometimes we don't even realize we're doing it. Um, so I wanted to spend some time. I did I did some research. I came across um, some things I want to share with you. Um, some of it is unique to me. Some of it is not. Um, but I, I it's a compilation of a lot of different things that I wanted to share with you. Some of it I'm going to read. Some of it we're just going to talk about. Uh, yes? I wasn't here last Sunday. Did you, did you or are you going to go over the difference between the words clenching and grieving? Yes, that's, 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 what, that's what we're concentrating on. Yes. Um, because, <clears throat> uh, and, and, and this is important. I'm glad you brought that up because it's important that we understand the difference between quenching the Spirit and, and grieving the Spirit. And then we're even going to take it a, a, a step further, okay? Um, so, <clears throat> so Ephesians chapter 4, hopefully you found it uh, by now. But let's talk about this word quenching. Um, does anybody know what the word quench or quenching means? Okay, okay, Bob, you said what? To cool down? Suppress? Suppress. Suffocate? Suffocate. Okay, <clears throat> when I was in the Navy, one of my jobs in the Navy was a firefighter. And <clears throat> they taught us two methods of fire, fighting fires. The first one was that you had, okay, you have, you have uh, people manning a hose. And fi- fighting a fire on a ship is different than fighting a fire in a building. Uh, because everything is metal around you, so everything, so the the whole process of fighting a fire is completely different. But you have the lead person who has the hose that is to his his job is to to quench the fire, put the fire out. Directly behind him is another person that has a a another fire hose, but this has a really long arm on it that kind of comes down and then it, it, it has a, an, uh, the, the end of it kind of has a mushroom looking, um, div- kind of like a shower head. And what it does is the guy, the second guy has this and it's sticking over the head of the first guy. And what he's doing is he's laying out a, 
a layer of 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 water to protect the guy who is who is moving forward to quench the fire. That does that make sense? So you have two different things going on. <clears throat> now, what we were taught in firefight school is the way that you put out a fire or you quench a fire is not by doing what the second guy does, just spraying water. That, that almost never puts out a fire. Anybody know why? Okay, yeah, it, it, for, for a good part, for a, a really hot fire, which you would have typically on a ship, it, it, it's just evaporating. Why, why would, why would some, the second man be doing that for the first guy? So it, basically to protect him from the heat, okay? It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a shield of sorts. But that water, for the most part, is going to evaporate. <clears throat> what do you think the method is to putting out a fire? So the, the first guy whose job it is to quench the fire, what do you think... He's taught to go to the base of the fire, okay? And, you, you know, you, <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever seen on TV, but, uh, yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 But they but you don't you don't run to a fire and just do this. You you attack you attack the base of the fire. Why why is that? Cuz you want to quench the source. You want to quench the fire. So that that is what this word means and it literally means to extinguish so when we quench the spirit, that's what we're doing. Okay? We're not just throwing water on it. We are literally going after the source of the fire. So understanding what the word quench means, I believe, is really critical. When a believer... Okay, you're on Ephesians chapter 4. Turn over to Ephesians chapter... Stay in... Put something in chapter 4. We'll be back in a second. Uh, Turn over to uh, Ephesians chapter 6. When a believer puts on the shield of faith as part of the armor of God, they are extinguishing the, the fiery darts that Satan shoots at us. Ephesians chapter 6 in verse 16. And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherein ye shall be able to, what? Quench the fiery darts of the wicked. So not only are, are you going to be able to stop the fiery darts, but you are going to be able to quench them. Now, we've talked about this when we studied the different parts of the armor, <clears throat> but in, in the day that this is written, the Romans 
used what kind of shield? Okay, they were leather. They were, it was a wood frame <clears throat> that they would stretch leather over. And then the night before a battle, the soldiers would do what? They would soak them in water so that when a fiery dart hit, it not only stopped the dart, but it quenched the flame. And that is the picture that we are given in Ephesians chapter 6 of what our faith can do for us. <clears throat> so it's important we understand what this word quench means. Christ describes uh, hell as a place uh, of fire that will never be quenched. Uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 44. <clears throat> uh, where, their, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. That is a bad place. It, can anybody tell me what, in the story of Lazarus and the rich man, what did the rich man beg for? Just a drop of water, Just a drop of water to what? <laughs> Quench his thirst. Now, if that doesn't motivate you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, I, I don't know what will. But that is what people who end up going to hell are going to be facing. A quenchless fire. Likewise, the Holy Spirit is a fire that dwells in every believer. When a believer does not allow the Spirit to work in our lives, when we subdue or quench the Holy Spirit in our lives, when the Holy Spirit is wanting to move in our lives, we are literally quenching the Holy Spirit. Do you see the picture? This is an important word that we need to get a hold of. <clears throat> First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. What is Paul here? Paul is pleading with the believers in Thessalonica to not quench. Do not dampen the Holy Spirit. Let, let the fire of the Holy Spirit burn. Quench not the Holy Spirit. When uh, we we quench the Spirit, when we do not allow the Spirit to reveal Himself in our lives. Now, let me ask you, very practically, can we quench the Spirit and not even know it? 
Talk to me. Okay, you think so? Okay. All right. Okay. Anybody else want to weigh in on that? Okay. Okay, but that's not what that's not what quenching is. Okay. Understand the word. Quenching the spirit is when when the flame is burning in our hearts and we say no to the to the flame. Again, can we do it and not even realize we're doing it? Absolutely we can. Why? Because we want our way. But it starts though with grieving first, willfully sin, and then. Well, willful. see, and this is this is a this is a this is a good question because which comes first? And we're going to talk about grieving here in just a second. Which comes first, the quenching or the grieving, or the grieving or the quenching? The chicken before the egg. The chicken before the egg. Okay. <laughs> My my thinking, quenching comes first, because when you quench the Holy Spirit, what do you do to the Holy Spirit? You grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's talk about grieving for a minute, because this is really this is really where I think we need to understand. So, and I, I had never, and I appreciated one of the authors that I read because. <clears throat> it, 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 he, he, he or she, I don't know who it was, um, uh, put it in perspective for me that I had never never really kind of connected the dots with. And, and l- l- let me read what, what they said. To understand what it means to grieve the Spirit, we must first understand that this indicates that the Spirit possesses personality. Think about that. I had never quite connected that. Only a person can be grieved. Therefore, the spirit must be a divine person. Hello? Makes perfect sense. How many of you have ever experienced the emotional stress of being grieved? We all have. <laughs> okay? It is, it is, it is an emotional uh, drain, is it not? And some of the worst, um, what's the word? Uh, emotional struggles that we can have is because of being grieved by someone else. So, again, my my take on it, and I could be wrong, my take on it is when we quench the Spirit, we then grieve the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4. 
Let's start reading in verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you uh, from, uh, from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgetting, forgiving one another, even for God, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. So now, I want to spend some time, and I, I want to in Ephesians chapter four. Uh, we're given a list of, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight ways that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. The first one, let's back up to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their minds. Henceforth, the understanding, uh, having having uh, their understanding darkened, being alienated from the, the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to, wo- to work all uncleanness with greediness. So, how can we grieve the Holy Spirit? By living like the world. What is what does he say here? Don't 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 walk as the as the Gentiles walk. What what was <coughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. What was what was Paul trying to communicate uh, to the church in, in, in Ephesus? Okay, you've been called out of the world. Okay, anybody else? Okay. What should we be doing? Walk in a way that pleases him, not in a way that pleases self. Okay. All right. And what he's saying in verse, having your own understanding darkened, he's also saying you know better. Exactly. I love what Paul says when he says that old things are passed away, behold, all things have become new. When a, when a person is born again, the old the old appeal of the world should not be a pull for us anymore. And when we, when we allow the things of the world to draw us away, it grieves the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. And every activity quenches the Spirit more and more. And it causes grief when God sees his children living like the world, going after the things of the world instead of the things of heaven. Yes, ma'am. No, no, not forgiven. Uh, Repentance. Repentance. Repentance literally means to do an about face. 
So when we repent of our sins, it is when we say, okay, I'm going to stop this and I'm going to turn and go the other direction. That, that is, that's what that word means. <clears throat> Look at verse uh, 25. This is another way that we grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth uh, with his neighbor, for we are members of one body. When we lie, we grieve the Spirit of God. How, how can we lie? It's easy. Is consent. Silence is consent. Yeah, I used to. We used to teach our kids that all the time. But you, you know, I, 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 we've all heard it. Oh, it's just a little white lie. A lie is a lie is a lie. And it'll quench the spirit of God. Or, excuse me, grief. Grief, yes. <clears throat> Thank you. What about being angry? You think that grieves the Spirit of God? Look at verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let, uh, let not the sun go down on thy wrath, neither give place to the devil. So, what is the implication of these two verses we just read? Okay, there there are different kinds of anger, but what what is the implication here? The, the, particularly, what was it, verse 27? I've never connected that before where you know, we're not supposed to put ourselves into a tempting situation. I never connected to just doing that. It's not like that's not just unwise. You're grieving the Holy Spirit by doing that. Yeah, you're grieving the Holy Spirit, but, but there's, there's another point here. Look at verse 27. What do we do? Not only do we grieve the Holy Spirit when we are angry, but what do we do according to verse 27? We, we open the door for Satan. That, the word giving place there it literally means to just step out of the way and say, okay, take over. When, when we get angry. Because who pays the price when we get angry? Everybody around us. And we just open the door and say, okay, Satan, come in and destroy my family. Anger is a horrible, horrible thing, and it grieves the Holy Spirit. What about uh, verse 28? And let him that steals, steal no more. Rather, excuse me, but rather let him labor working with his hands <clears throat> the things uh, which is good that ye may have to give to him that needeth. Stealing. When we steal. Oh, yeah, there, there was a lot. I mean, you could preach a whole sermon. You can preach a whole sermon out of that one verse. Now, I, I will say this, and I know I'm on the, on the Internet, but that's okay. Our government is giving away, quote-unquote, free money for people to stay home. God, God says that's a sin. That's a sin. 
Huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, but, well, never mind. I don't want to get political. But, <clears throat> yeah, any more than I already did, yes. Okay, you brought it up. I'm going to answer it. The question is, what about our tithes? If we do not tithe, what does God say when, it, when a person does not give to God? You, we rob from God. And that grieves the Spirit of God. It grieves the Spirit. Okay, what about verse 29? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. What, what do you think that verse is all about? Okay. Okay. It, it 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 definitely has a way to you live, but but there's a there's a there's a terminology that we use in our in our culture today. No, well that could that could definitely fit in here. But what about cursing? Okay. Don't even. I'm going there. I, I know. <laughs> hey, we 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 think alike. I I know where she's going. <clears throat> Okay, uh, turn keep keep something here, and turn over to Matthew <clears throat> chapter twelve. Matthew chapter twelve. I I I don't know about you, and it, it I, I I have been called old-fashioned because of what I'm about to say. I've been called other things, but I anyway I've been criticized for what I'm about to say. <clears throat> Have you ever heard the term euphemism? <laughs> okay, anybody know what a euphemism is? Okay, it's a substitutionary word. Oh, hey, Alton, come on in. She's up here. You want to you want to go back and talk to him? <laughs> Yeah, Sunday nights at six, buddy. That's okay. Um, but what what is what is a euphemism? It's a substitutionary it's a substitutionary. substitutionary word that we that we use in our culture. So, yes, there you go. That is what now now honestly now okay. Now, <clears throat> for those of you in Internet land, um, she said, oh, my gosh, is a euphemism for the other word. The other word. I don't want to say it, but it's the same thing. Yeah. It is a Christian's version of cursing. OMG. I see, I see it on Facebook. Quote, unquote, Christians will put OMG. That I'm, I, I'm here to tell you that grieves the Spirit of God. Another, another one that has got me tipped over the edge. I am hearing more and more Christians use this word. And when I say it, you'll know exactly the word that it is substituting. And that is the word freaking. Do not use that word around me 
unless you want to get an earful. That is sickening. I'm just saying. Matthew <clears throat> chapter 12. I, if you haven't figured out, I, I, I get really worked up over that one. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou, thou, thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be what? Condemned. You think Jesus was serious about what we say? Absolutely he was. The word idle there means useless or careless words. Now, I am not claiming to be perfect in any stretch of the imagination. But I try my best to always pick my words very carefully. Because there was a time in my life, my words got me in a lot of trouble. And I have learned to pick my words carefully. <laughs> We're all guilty of it. But I'm telling you, we need to be careful. We need to be careful what we say as believers because the world is watching. And they hear us say these words and they say, hey, you're saying the exact same word I am. You're just Christifying it. Christianizing it. Well, I like my word better. <laughs> Christifying, you know. But you know what I'm saying. We're just cleaning it up, but we're saying the same thing. It's the same. It, it is. Why does it do the words grieve the Holy Spirit? No, it is the attitude of the heart that grieves the Spirit of God. Out of the abundance of the heart, man speaketh. Okay, let's go to the next one. <clears throat> Back to Ephesians chapter 4. Right. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> uh, next one. Verse 31. Let all what? Bitterness. Bitterness grieves the Holy Spirit. When we have bitterness in our hearts, you know, one of the things I appreciate about what Angie said about witnessing to her, to her brother is the fact that she just wants to plant a seed because a seed can grow and a seed can, can mature and, and break through. But how many of you have ever heard the fact that bitterness has been referred to as a seed that gets planted in the hearts of men? And that it can grow, it can grow and destroy the same way the seed of the gospel can can bring life. Bitterness can absolutely destroy. Look at verse 32. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted. What's that word? Forgiving. Forgiving one another. Unforgiveness grieves the Holy Spirit. We have to be willing to forgive. 
And then chapter 5, verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness, and, and, and the list goes on and on and on. Uh, let me just say this. Sexual, sexual immorality grieves the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you, that sexual immorality can come in a lot of different ways. It can come on the television. It can come on the computer, on your cell phone. It can come. It, 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 it is an attitude of the heart. And every one of these that I listed here out of Ephesians, <clears throat> every one of them goes straight to the heart. It's the heart. It is the attitudes of the heart that grieve the Holy Spirit. Or excuse me, that can grieve the Holy Spirit. But it's also the attitudes of the heart that can magnify the Holy Spirit in our lives. To grieve the Spirit is an act, uh, is to act out a, si a sinful manner, whether it is uh, 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 in thought only or both in thought and deed. Okay? Um, both quenching and grieving the Holy Spirit are similar in the fact. It does two things. When we, when we quench or we grieve the Holy Spirit, it does one of two things. Uh, <clears throat> it hinders a godly lifestyle. It hinders a godly lifestyle. The second thing it can do It creates a worldly appetite. It creates a worldly appetite. When we grieve and when we quench the Spirit of God in our lives, <clears throat> we, are, we are literally opening up the door for Satan in our lives. The only choice that we have is to choose the narrow road. Now, I want to take the, I told you earlier, I wanted to take it one step further <clears throat> because I believe that all of these are interconnected. <clears throat> First, we have quenching. Second, we have, what's the second one? Grieving. What's the third one? Anybody want to know? Anybody want to take a guess? Okay, I call it cauterizing. Huh? Oh, cauterizing? Uh, C-A-U-T-E-R-I-Z-I-N-G. Cauterizing. Or searing. Okay, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible calls it searing. Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verses 1 and 2, it says, Now the Spirit uh, speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits uh, and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, or cauterizing. Okay, today we call it cauterizing. We don't necessarily call it searing. But, <clears throat> now we don't do it a lot today. Um, but 
back primarily in the Civil War in those in those in that time period, if somebody got wounded on a battlefield, they would oftentimes pull pull the bullet out and then they would take a hot iron out of the fire and they would stick it into the wound. Why would they do that? Okay, so they wouldn't bleed to death. Yeah, yeah. Ashley, when she was just a little little toddler, um, she constantly had nosebleeds. And this one, we live in South Carolina, wasn't even here. And <clears throat> she had she had nosebleeds, and they literally went in and cauterized the inside of her nose to stop the bleeding. Now, if you were, let's just say, for point of discussion, let's just say that <clears throat> for whatever reason, you you had a, uh, a cauterized spot on your arm about six or eight inches long right here. And after it healed over and, you know, life goes on, 15 years later, if you took a, a, a pen knife and jabbed it into the middle of that cauterized area, what do you think you'd feel? Absolutely nothing. Why? Because all the nerve endings are gone. What about what about 40 years later? They're still dead. Well, <laughs> thank you for ruining my illustration. I appreciate that. <clears throat> the conscience that God gives us every time Every time we say no to the Holy Spirit, every time we quench the Holy Spirit, every time we grieve the Holy Spirit, in essence, what are we doing? We are cauterizing part of our hearts. There, there, there is, the Bible does talk about a sin unto death. And that is when a person gets so far that God says, okay, you're done. Take you out. Take you out. Living with a cauterized conscience. What, what does it... Somebody give me, give me an example of what I'm trying to communicate here. Anybody know what I'm trying to get to here? How many of you... Okay. The more you sear that, you do not hear or feel the Holy Spirit's conviction anymore. Okay, Joe? Well, I'd like you to go back to that one part where you said for God just gives you over to the sin. So does that mean we lose our salvation? No. No. In fact, that's why he takes you home because he's, he's just, you're done. Okay. It, is, it has nothing to do with our salvation. It has everything to do with our lifestyle. <clears throat> How many of you have ever done something and the Holy Spirit just really pokes you? Yeah. But you do it anyway. And you think, you know, I really shouldn't have ought to have done that. 
you know, I, I really, I really shouldn't have done that. And you you ask God to forgive you, and life goes on. And and a little while later, you end up doing it again. And the jab wasn't quite as bad as the first time. And the next thing you know, you're doing that activity or that whatever it is on a kind of a regular basis, and the Holy Spirit has not done anything in your life. Or at least it doesn't feel like the Holy Spirit is doing anything in your life. What have we done? We have hardened our hearts or we have cauterized our, or seared our consciences. We're getting there. Okay. We're, we're, we're getting there. Okay. <clears throat> James Dobson had the opportunity to talk to who is that big serial killer? Um, Bundy. 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 It was down in Florida. Ted Bundy. He was able to go in and talk to Ted Bundy. And he asked him basically, okay, how did you get here? And this guy had killed like a lot of women. I, I, for, I forget how many, but a, a lot of women. Y'all, y'all knew his name, right? Okay. You know how he got there? Nope. Soft porn. And, and this is what he told, he told Dobson. He said, you know, at first I felt guilty looking at what we call today soft porn, which is still pornography, period. Okay. I don't care what you call it. It's still pornography and it's still wrong. But that's how it started. And then it got to the point where it wasn't enough. And he needed stronger and stronger. How do you think an alcoholic gets to be an alcoholic? They don't, they don't wake up one day alcoholics. They just need more and they need more and they need more. Drug addicts the same way. And in our lives... When we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, we quench the Holy Spirit. Then we grieve the Holy Spirit. Then we take the third step into searing our consciences so that when the Spirit does talk to us, we don't hear it anymore. That's a bad place to live. Romans chapter 2, verse 15, it says, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness of their thoughts, that meanwhile uh, 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 cursing or uh, else accusing one another. So now let me ask you this. Is, Is our conscience only for saved individuals? No. God has given every person who's ever walked the face of the earth a conscience. Yes. So, so when you when you keep you know resisting the Holy Spirit and you, you start to sear, do you think you, can you be seared to just certain things? Like your heart's seared to hearing God in certain areas? Okay. All right. What he's asking is when when we sear the Holy Spirit, are we searing 
the Holy Spirit in just certain areas of our life or uh, overall. Can you be seared to not hearing him in certain areas and not even realize it? Okay. Hearing him on other okay. Good question. What do you think? Yes and no. <laughs> That's not an answer. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> okay. 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 Anybody? Anybody? What did what did what did God what did call <clears throat> excuse me what did God call the children of Israel often a stiff-necked people what is a stiff-necked person it's, it's somebody who is looking one way and they're not they're not going to vary they are looking one way why because their neck is stiff they're going and that and that is a picture <clears throat> of what happens in the hearts of men so my, my answer to that is, in my opinion, as we sear the conscience of God, it affects every area of our lives. Exactly. Exactly. And to be perfectly honest, it is, <clears throat> it is a scary place to live. Because we get to the point where we have no feeling. The nerves are gone. And, and our hearts become cold and callous. How many of you have ever met someone who is just downright mean from the inside out? Well, that is somebody who has so turned their backs on God that their consciences are just gone okay coming back to Bob I believe in the grace of God and and I'm, I'm getting ready to read you a portion of scripture here that I believe backs my thing other than the fact I just thought of 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, Bob's question, can you repeat your question, Bob, so I get it right? He probably forgot. Okay, you asked a question, can we come back from a seared heart or, or repair? Can we repair a seared heart? Okay. I, I like the fact that you used the word repair, okay? Yeah, he's a builder, yeah. He's a maintenance guy, <clears throat> okay? Can you repair? Now, I personally believe the scar will always be there. Always. It's called consequences, okay? But can God rejuvenate our hearts? And I believe he can, and I want to read you a, a portion of scripture here that I believe backs up that statement. In Jeremiah chapter 4, you want to find these? Uh, it, turn, turn to the book of Jeremiah. <clears throat> 4, Jeremiah chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. 
For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem. Okay, so who who is God talking to? The children of Israel. Okay? And they have been sinning and sinning and sinning, okay? They have they had their their for for the discussion here, their consciences had been seared. They were living wicked lives. What does he say? He says, break up your fallow ground and sow among and uh, uh, and sow not among thorns. Verse uh, verse four, circumcise yourselves unto the Lord and take away the foreskin of your heart. Ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire <clears throat> and, and burn that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Now, who is God talking to? The children of Israel. His, his, his people. Now, what did every Jewish male do as an infant, or what? Let me say this: What did every Jewish parent do to a male child as an infant? Circumcised. So who is he talking to? He's talking to circumcised people or men. Okay. You got it. Okay. But what does he say in verse four? Go back to verse four. It says, "Circumcise yourselves to the Lord." They're already circumcised. So what is he talking about? The heart. The hard, calloused, seared hearts of the children of Israel. Circumcise yourselves unto the Lord and take away the foreskin of your heart. What is the, what is the word picture here? I believe God is giving us a wonderful word picture here. Literally, I, I believe what he's saying is just expose your heart. The searing has taken place so hard in your lives. You don't, you don't even know your heart is there. And he is literally telling them to recircumcise themselves, but in their hearts. Now, there's a couple of things here. Is circumcision... A pleasant event. <laughs> now I'm being practical here, okay? For the most part, we're adults. So that, but hey, this is God. This is the Word of God. It, it, is circumcision for an adult male a pleasant experience? Oh no. Oh, no. Well, not even for a. Not even for a baby, but at least <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay, it's not a pleasant experience. How does that translate to the children of Israel? It's like I said earlier, he talked about a callus on your hand. I have ripped calluses off. Oh, it, it, oh, like it oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So what is God saying here? You know what? To get right with me, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot. 
But if you don't do it, what's the consequences? He's got offended. <laughs> You're going to get the wrath of God. Now, what is the other side of circumcision? A pure sensitivity. Now, I'm not a doctor. I don't know this for a fact. But if it's not the most sensitive spot on a male, it is one of the most sensitive spots on a male. And when we circumcise our hearts and we repair the damage done, we can then be sensitive again to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a beautiful picture God gives us? But it's going to cost us something. It's a little little graphic. But it's a beautiful picture of the restored relationship that we can have with God. And when we fail, then his fury is coming. (laughs) But it all starts, I believe, with not quenching the Holy Spirit. When we quench the Holy Spirit, we then grieve the Holy Spirit, and then we start to cauterize the conscience. But there's always a way back. God's grace has always given us a way back. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives. And Lord, I just ask that you would work in our lives. Help us, dear God, to never get to a point where we are cauterizing our hearts. Help us to always be sensitive to your work in our lives. Very quickly, let me ask you, is there anyone but say, Pastor, God's spoken to my heart tonight. I'm not just by showing